My name is Liza Levitt, and I would like to reintroduce to you the Warriors podcast. We had a podcast a few years ago. We pushed pause on that, and now Warriors is back. Different direction, but same heartbeat. The heartbeat of Warriors is to create a community of women who are able to use their voice to speak up, to speak out, allow their stories to be told in order to inspire equip, empower, and produce hope for other women. I am so proud to introduce to you the first series of the Warriors podcast entitled Enough. This series is very personal to me as it's a huge part of my story and I have partnered with a few women who are very brave and bold who have come out to speak up, to speak out about their time in this cult and how they got out what their struggle was once they left, and who they are now. Welcome back to the Warriors Podcast for part two of this conversation. So our first conversation was pretty loaded. Mm-hmm. We touched on a lot of different points and topics. So for this podcast and for the, the next few, we really just want to focus in on several different things because it really helps to paint a big picture of the entire ministry, I mean, cult. And it really helps to paint a picture of what happened to each person and the pattern. So before we dive into anything, I want to define a cult really quick. Because a lot of people say, oh, I was in a cult. Oh, I I definitely experienced um, some church hurt. Therefore... It was a cult. However, church abuse is wrong. It is not the same thing as a cult. And so just to clarify before we dive into things, cults defined by law are going to include criminal activity, obviously, but it's also going to include um, excommunication and not being able to leave, which you would think that those things don't go together. But Angela stated in the first podcast uh, how the currency was belonging. So when you are obedient and compliant and doing what was correct, <clears throat> you were included, you were given special privileges, and you were brought in and held at a high regard. Um, and then when you were not doing that, and that was determined by the, the pastor and leadership, um, you could be excommunicated You could be cut off from certain things. And then there are times when you may be excommunicated. So all of us here have quite literally been excommunicated. And if we were to ever speak to anyone in the minute, in the cult still, we would be in trouble and they would be in trouble. And so there's blackmail, there's manipulation, there's control. We're going to cover that, but that is the difference Uh, as well, but also in a cult, there's not going to be that repentance. I think when you have church abuse and you have people in leadership who are not healthy, who make mistakes because they're human, 
um, even if it's a horrible mistake, if they can still turn around and repent, but people in cults cannot. It's just that usually they will not. Absolutely, this has been going on for several generations. This organization has been around, and there is quite the pattern that we have seen in every single generation of this organization, and some of that is green and gaslighting. Absolutely a huge part of what happens in this organization and that's what we're going to highlight in this podcast is the grooming and highlighting the the theme and the pattern of what that is in the gaslighting so angela i feel like you always say things really well and you speak well she was a radio host for how long in her own talk show in so seven, eight years. Yeah. yeah. So she's very good at explaining things. So can you provide a little bit more context as to the grooming and the gaslighting and what the difference was with some personalities versus others? Oh, with the grooming. Well, I know that the main targets were uh, students between the ages of 17 to 21. Um, they were either, they came, they were in a vulnerable position. So they had either just left home and started school for the first time. And so they weren't under their parents anymore. And so they were kind of vulnerable or they were going through a major life change and looking for a way out. So both types of people were just in a very vulnerable position where they were hoping to be pulled in and led in a direction, a positive direction. So that's a lot of how these students, the type of people that she would target. And then um, once they came in, she either used control or she used a form of like parenting and reward. And so that was her other thing. Um, And that really was based on kind of the personality of the student. And she was very, very good and very smart at reading people's personalities. What they thought, how they, how they would, what you know, motivated them, didn't motivate them, and then she would, after studying them, use that. So, with that age group being so young, Amanda brought up a super good point of just the psychology of the brain with that age group. So I'm gonna let you speak to that because you said it well. Yeah, no, so it was actually my husband who pointed it out to me years ago, and so I started just watching it. Um, and, you know, filling it out, okay, is this true? Like, is it, are they targeted? And I thought, of course they're targeted. She's on, the the group itself is on a college campus, a very popular, like, well-known college campus as far as, like, money goes. A lot of your alumni want their kids to go there. So, you know, there's money in it, basically. Um, and so I had to look it up. I was like, what was it called? It's your prefrontal cortex. It's the part of your brain that's the development and maturing that happens primarily during adolescence and it's fully accomplished at the age of 25. Like, that's it. And the function of the prefrontal cortex is what? So that is, the development of the prefrontal cortex is very important for complex behavioral performance as this region of the brain helps accomplish executive brain functions. Yeah. Executive. So if you yes. come in on survival mode, like mm-hmm. many of us did, mm-hmm. those are shut down. Mm-hmm. And it's much easier. Because you're not thinking fully. Your brain, or feeling. Or feeling completely. Your brain is not fully developed. And not that 
not to say that we were all just like retarded or stupid, but just to say science and psychologically what is happening with that age group uh, in, in the brain at the time. So that's super good. Did you have anything else you want to add, or is that it? Um, I saw it with Rachel. Rachel and I, you know, remained friends over the years, and I thought, oh my gosh, Rachel is a perfect example of how that played out in a, somebody who had healthy relationships growing up, mm-hmm. um, and not like really super dysfunction or anything in your home life. Yeah, and how she still got it, like got that in with you. Can you speak to Because you weren't really with us in the uh, first podcast yeah. because you have baby here. <laughs> and, and that's stubborn. fine. But <laughs> I, want, I want you to have the opportunity yeah. to share a little yeah. bit about who you are, where you came from. And to Amanda's yeah. point of mm-hmm. you didn't really have a ton of dysfunction where, where some of us did. Right. Like one thing I remember specifically – would be like when I was coming in, they were they they talked about you and how they were getting you to go on mission trips, and your parents fought back with it a little bit, and they were like, "No, we don't want yeah. you to go overseas." Oh, they fought back, and they used it. Not the just, leaders used it yeah. in a manner of, "Well, you're an adult now, so you can make your own decisions. This is when you can put your foot down and make your own choices." Mm-hmm. But when you turn and do that with them. It's totally unacceptable, mm-hmm. and now you're not an adult anymore. You're actually you're you're rebelling. You're yeah, uh, like with you there. It was rebellion with Rachel. Yes, with them. Yes. So, I grew up in a two parent household. My parents have been married for thirty five years. Um, I'm the oldest of five kids. Um, my mom stayed at home with us for the longest time. So it was a very, you know, functional family. Um, we weren't well off by any means, but we were well provided for. There wasn't any abuse or trauma that happened because of, you know, different things that can happen in childhood or anything like that. Like my dad worked super hard. Um, he's a police officer. So that is kind of a key point yeah. for later. Yeah. Um, but he always worked super hard. He made sure that we had food, we had electricity, we had water. Like, we weren't lacking for anything. Um, we had a really good childhood. And so when I came to college, I was kind of one of those kids who was just looking for more, I guess, out of my relationship with God. Because I mean, we were raised in church. I got saved when I was five in my relationship with God that I was thinking, like, there's gotta be something more I just don't know what it is and so that was kind of the hook for me that got me in there and then yes so I was the one yeah. who <laughs> decided to go to this college first um and then he mm-hmm. kind of came he followed you yeah, yeah. but I mean it all worked out so yeah. you know <laughs> We can say that, but then it's like, it's no big deal. Um, but so he, I guess, found out about this organization first. And then the next week or so, like he had gone to a Bible study and then he had told me, hey, you know, there's this really awesome place. So these awesome people, you know, you should come with me the next time I go. So I was like, okay. What's funny, like I'm fighting bronchitis now. I was also fighting bronchitis the first time I went. Wow. And but I remember them praying over me that first time I went and I got oh. healed of bronchitis. Like I did. I got healed of bronchitis. 
Yeah. And so I was like, well, that's amazing. All of the prefrontal cortex, like I had just left my parents' house and I had never left my parents' house before then. So I was very in a, I was very much in a vulnerable position, vulnerable, just because I was out on my own. And I will say my parents, they weren't controlling, but there were rules in our house and we followed the rules. And if you didn't follow the rules, there were consequences. So I didn't do any partying or drinking or, I mean, the guy I was dating at the time was my first relationship and we didn't do anything like we were always with our family. So there was nothing, there was no room for anything else to happen. I came from this really clean, really stable background. Um, and now I'm on my own. So it was very vulnerable. Like, Oh, I can do whatever I want to. I can go wherever I want to. I can do this. This is so I just remember not being sucked in, but just, I was drawn in and I just kind of stayed and I guess talk about the first time you started being groomed, but you didn't know you were being groomed. Okay. Yeah. Like the first time you started being like in any progression of it. Yeah, yeah. To you, it felt like you were getting in, you were like being rewarded with relationship. You had done really well. You were getting yeah. privileged information. You were now able to like take naps with her and like hang out with her one-on-one and she would text you, hey, Rachel. And we all would yeah. get those texts, hey, come yeah, over. Yeah. And it would be like, oh, yeah. let's just bake together. Or let's just talk. And yeah. Like, it, it would always turn into more. Awesome. So yeah, how did you, how did you come from super functional family, mm-hmm. no trauma to really speak of, you're in this ministry now, then you start getting groomed. I don't remember if I shared this directly with the leader. But I came from a high school youth group that was kind of very clicky, and I was not in those cliques. So like what Angela said in the first session, yeah, that sense of belonging was really the currency that they used. And so I don't remember being specific and saying, oh, well, I didn't really fit in in high school because it was the same way at school. Like, yeah, I didn't really fit in. I had my groups of friends, but I wasn't the person to hang out with. It was just like, oh, Rachel's here. Cool. Okay. Well, but I got forgotten a lot and I got left out of a lot of things. And that kind of caused some, some internal hurt, just feeling like, oh, you're leaving me out again, but that's okay. Now that I was a part of this ministry, I found those groups of people because all of the the people in there, we all hung out together all the time. It kind of was its own clique. Yeah. Because there was not a lot of other, um, there weren't many other college students involved, even though they wanted to try to reach out. There really wasn't a lot of outreach on the college campus. It was just once you're in, you're in, you don't really hang out with anybody else because like y'all said in the first podcast, um, you know, if you weren't at Bible study, well, where are you? Like, yeah, what are you doing? Like if you had other friends outside of the ministry, it was kind of looked on as like, oh, we don't associate with these people. Like they're not a part of Or it's your job to bring them in. Right. And that helps you get promoted. Like, oh, you're bringing people in Mm -hmm. and you're doing your job. You're so obedient. You are growing the ministry and the kingdom. And if you're friends with so-and-so and and you're not bringing them in, well, disobedient, not fully living for the Lord. Dishonor on you. Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to to cut you off. No, no, no. That's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So I finally found this sense of belonging with this group of people and we were all kind of in the ministry at the same time. It was us. Like I found belonging and I was included 
For the most part. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I do want to point out here too because there, and we can, we will dive more into this, but you and Hannah mm-hmm. were a lot more of compliant, Hannah even said that in the other podcast, mm-hmm. compliant type personalities, yes. which were treated a certain way. Yes. Amanda, Angela, and I, we were not compliant. Right. And we would kick and scream and be loud and push back. Yes. Not that YouTube didn't have your pushback, but it, it looked very different. Yes. So, like with Angela and I, and, and Amanda and I, we yeah. have quite the past. Amanda and I were very sexual. Right. So, we were always the ones that were put up on stage, yeah. give your testimony. Mm-hmm. It was, yes. it's so powerful because it was like, yeah. it was, God, it was somehow brought them joy to hear like you we were just horrid. And so right. you kind of had a thing as well that in my opinion would, I'll let, I'll let you speak to it, but it, you didn't have a testimony. Right. It was a huge deal for you. Yes. So to be closer to the pastor mm-hmm. kind of compensated for, well, I don't get to stand up on stage. Right. Would you say, I'll let you speak to that, but. Yeah, I remember I definitely thought like, well, I don't have a testimony because I didn't come from a terrible background. I don't have any abuse history at that point. I didn't. Um, like I don't have a testimony, so I didn't feel as important as the way, like, like you, they made, you know, a big deal about how your testimony, oh, here's Liza and this is her background and look where she is now. And this is what we did for her. And they kind of took all the credit for that. And I was, even though I don't remember them saying this directly, but I just remember being made to feel like, well, I don't have a testimony. I'm not that important. I'm not as key of a, not a player, but like. I'm not as important to the ministry as people like with your history are because it's just not there. But I do remember the leader for some reason, and it may be because I wasn't a kicker screamer. I'm going to fight you if you, you know, tell me something I don't like because I craved that sense of belonging so badly. Like I just wanted to fit in. I wanted to belong to some group of people. Um, even though I, I felt that with this group for sure, there was still that sense of, well, I wasn't messed up. They don't have to fix me. So why am I going to be important to them? Because there's, I'm not a project. Yeah. So when the leader kind of, uh, she almost like took me under her wing and kind of treated me like I was special because I wasn't quote unquote messed up. In a twisted way, like you're not like up, in what way, like yeah. call you over to her house and have she, Bible studies just to you. Um, or... there was a couple of times where it would be like me. I do remember one or two sessions when me and the guy I was dating had first come in. It was like the newcomers, so there was two, yeah. maybe three of us who were newcomers that she called, and you know we were we had a a certain Bible study. I can't remember what it was. At her house. Yeah. She kind of just... It was like an exclusive meeting. It was like an exclusive Mm -hmm. meeting. I remember um, she would ask me to to help her with certain, like, hey, I'm working on a sermon. Come over and help me think through it. Wow. um, I'm trying to remember, like, other certain things. And, you know, we just kind of grew with this relationship that we had going. And I didn't see, I was very naive because I came from such a wholesome background. I was extremely naive. I didn't see any kind of red flags at all. Um, 
And there were several times where she would text me and, you know, hey, come over, I'm working on my sermon. Or um, it was in between classes and I would just pop in and, hey, how are you doing? And she would just kind of draw me in and, you know, just start talking, having conversations. And then, you know, there were several times that um, she would say, hey, you know, I, I was up late last night or I, I'm going to go take a nap. Do you want to come join me? Yeah. As a college kid, you stay up as late as you can because yeah. your parents aren't there to make you go to bed. So I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I could go for a nap right now because I'm tired. I stayed up till 2 in the morning last night because I could. And it was just very interesting. Like, at first, you know, I had that initial thought of, so when you say, yeah, like, invite you to take a nap, what did that look like? Um, It was, hey, I'm going to go take a nap. You want to come join me? And kind of, kind, kind of with a tiny question mark. Like there was a little bit of a question mark, but it was more of a, you should come join me. You want to yeah. come join me? You should was, come join me. Was there, I'm just curious, was there a question mark? I honestly don't know if I remember. Um, I don't remember the exact, you know, inflection. So, so I don't want to say, but I do remember, like that quote that said, you know, people may not remember what you said, but they'll remember the way you made them feel. Yes. So the way I felt was, even if there was a question, it wasn't a question. It was, yes. you should come join me. Like you um, don't want to reject her. Right. Yeah. There were several. So you would go several stairs. Don't so we would go, um, her office where she worked was downstairs um but we would go to her and her now ex-husband's room in their bed and she would take a nap and I would attempt to take a nap there was not much napping for me because it's like okay this is I'm not this isn't my bed well I'm not as comfortable was as it I clothes no clothes clothes was it like cuddles no cuddles there were sometimes cuddles yeah and I remember one instance in particular that there were a lot of cuddles to the point where I thought, why is it me? Like, I'm not married. I've never been in a situation wow. where I would be cuddling with my significant other. But in my head, I was thinking, you should be cuddling with your husband like this, not me. Like, so what does that, what does that look like? Like, what, describe what, cut, the, the cuddling that made you feel uncomfortable with it. Well, it was just very close and very like um, spooning. Like spooning. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There, like spooning and Who's big spoon, little spoon. I was. <laughs> that is a good question. Yeah. I was. It gives context. Yes, I was the little spoon, and I just remember it was just very like where her arms around you. Uh huh. And they were very tight. Like I remember her face, like very close to my face, or almost in my neck. Well, and I just remember thinking, like, I was trying to rationalize that in my head because my, those red flags were going off in my brain. And I was thinking, like, I don't, I don't like this. This doesn't feel comfortable. But then the part of me that trusted her, because I didn't have a reason not yeah. to, the part of me that trusted her was trying to rationalize, well, this is why it's okay. Like, oh, she's just trying to show you what affection looks like because I didn't, even though my parents loved us very much, they weren't very very they weren't overly affectionate like I think I'm very affectionate with my children like in a mom to child appropriate sort of way my parents just weren't like physical touch is not my mom's primary love language so she I didn't really know like in my family we don't do a lot of physical affection just because that's just 
how it is and that's okay but I have found out that that is my primary love language is mm-hmm. physical touch and, and affection so in my brain I'm just trying to rationalize like okay she's just trying to show me what affection looks like and this is okay like and I just remember going back and forth with myself and still coming back to like I don't like I, I don't like this and I have not told a single person that until I told y'all, like, well, yeah. whenever the first time I communicated that to y'all, I had not told anybody. And how many that, like, times would you say that happened about how many times? At least three or four. Like, mm-hmm. not a lot, a lot, but right. enough to make me think. Mm-hmm. So this is your college pastor inviting you up into her bedroom, into mm-hmm. her bed where her and her husband yeah. sleep, and holding you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In an affectionate way while taking a nap with you. Yes. And you're trying to rationalize it because yeah. she's safe. And then, right. Yes. Up until that point, who yes. else in the room did that happen to? Me no. and. Well, not with that leader. Not with. Yeah. yeah. Pause. I want to give you some context as to what was happening in the room because you can't see it. Originally, we recorded this as a video, but in order to minimize visual distractions, We made it audio only, so you can't see it, but while Rachel was describing what happened to her, Hannah began to cry. The content we are just getting into and we are going to continue discussing is very sensitive, so Hannah needed a quick break, which is why you hear an abrupt pause and an abrupt transition. Let's get back to the podcast. Okay, so we had to take a quick break because... Things get emotional. This is the first time we've all really sat and discussed these things, so I want to acknowledge that before we move forward. Um, Some of us have heard each other's stories, and some of us have not. And sometimes, even though we know certain things about people, like I knew that that happened between you and, and, and the leader, it's it still brings stuff up. It's a sensitive topic. So we're reconvening. And I do want to get to, we ended on who else experienced something like that, and Amanda and I are like, us however we did not experience it with the lead pastor but will you wrap up first your last point of what exactly made you feel uncomfortable but also what what was in it for you and I don't mean that like you had an agenda I just mean that also when we let things happen um it's not just because we're stupid or you know or there is a manipulative agenda on both sides it just means that there is a need that has not been met right. and maybe it's subconscious at the time, but we, it's fulfilling something. So mm-hmm. would you happen to know what was that need that was being met for you during that nap time? <laughs> well, it was that need to belong to some one, not, not so much one person, but the need to fit in and to belong in a group of people. And even though my, I think my body was saying, whoa, this isn't okay. But my brain was saying, well, it has to be okay because you trust this person. Mm-hmm. And this is a good, you know, we go to Bible study. We yeah, we share the gospel. Like it, it has to be okay because this is a Christian organization. So my brain and my body were not agreeing. And I also I felt like if I if I said like, well, I don't I don't really like the way this is going. I don't feel comfortable um, then that was going to jeopardize that sense of belonging that I had with that person. 
because she did kind of take me under my wing. And the stories that y'all have had of being yelled at and forced into deliverances and, you know, the disagreements, I don't really have that kind of background with her because I, I was kind of, I was kind of special. Like she kind of treated me that way. And she didn't really yell at me. She didn't, there were some deliverances. That's like a whole nother story, but, um, you they weren't really forced. Right. I didn't like need it. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, yeah. I wasn't her project. It was like, I was just mm-hmm. something extra for her is yeah. what I have come to feel like now. Yeah. I feel like I was extra. I was a prize almost, mm-hmm. but back then it was a sense of belonging. Like I fit in, like she wants me. I was wanted. And to have said, Hey, I don't like how this feels. Like, I feel uncomfortable. I don't like this. Can we stop? Like, that would have jeopardized that. And now, having been through all of the stuff that I've been through, now I know, no, I had, I had every right to say, no, I don't like this. I had every right to put a stop to that and to draw that line and to draw it hard. But I, I didn't have those resources. I didn't know that that was even okay. I didn't know that was an option for me back then. Right. I mean, but it should be an option for, yeah. for real for everybody yeah. because it's yeah. not okay. Right. Like to take to to use your authority and your leadership in a way like that to make the people not the people underneath you, but that's the wrong term. But I can't think of the right the the people that you are attempting to minister to in a ver- a vulnerable position. I can't say that word too. Um, it's not okay to abuse your power and abuse your authority and your leadership like that. Yeah. I just didn't know that it was okay for me to say no. You did say no, right? Yeah. You, okay. To tee up what we experienced, like I said, Amanda and I didn't go through the, the will you cuddle with me or anything like that the same way Rachel did. The lead pastor um, has a... A friend Side with many hand. titles. It's like the hand. associate pastor. The right associate pastor, yes. Right hand woman, associate pastor, sidekick, best friend, new manager, whatever. So like she replaced her So there's her. And like Angela said, and I say this not in a not in a mean way, just a factual way of the lead pastor is uh, very masculine, mm-hmm. female physically and like you said with energy wise mm-hmm. so is the um sidekick the new best friend um, assistant, the yeah. assistant we'll call her the assistant she is more masculine as well however she was really big on uh being a mother because a, <laughs> a lot of us either did not have good motherly figures in our lives or there was just something missing. So for for me, we'll get there in a little bit. I do have a mom that is present, just wasn't in a certain way. And that's, I don't think good or bad, but the assistant really tried to come in with me a certain way to be a mother, but she did that with you. So I'll let you tell that story. Um, so the first time I can remember it happening, we were on our way in their vehicle. <laughs> okay. And I was like, I'm going to say that. Um, we were in their vehicle on our way to some kind of church event where we were going to give our stories. And it was kind of a drive, and I was really tired. I was working nights. And I, and I expressed that. I said, oh, man, I'm so tired. I'm like, 
assistant mm -hmm. had her and the leader were having a conversation totally separate. She's in an African, she's in the front, and they're having this conversation about how the assistant needed to become a mother to me because I didn't have a good mom. Yeah. And like my my biological mom did struggle, still continues to struggle with drug addiction. So yeah, she wasn't present. <laughs> yeah. And then my stepmother, that was just a hard connection for me to make because of the the neglect with my biological mom. Um, but she was still present and very, very much there for us, just as children, you know. So then she looks at me after she tells her assistant, you need to become like a mother to her. And just and she says, well, okay. And she like positioned herself and she says, lay your head in my lap. <laughs> I was like, That's a very, I just can hear her saying that. Right? Yes. like, well, come on. Yeah. And I said, uh, no. And she's, and that's the, it was. Well, this why was that funny kind of gesture? Though was okay. I need to be a mother to you, so put your hand. Yeah, on. yeah. it was so weird. Right, my I could actually. I didn't realize it until just now. I could feel my body like going for it because I do crave that. I did, I did sure. desperately crave that mother thing to add to adult. <laughs> what it was but I was like I said no and that's when she got aggressive with it she said lay your head in my lap yeah. backed over as far over and I just thought I will always have a vehicle wherever I go <laughs> with these people it's like get away <laughs> and it but that continued to happen she in like vulnerable times yeah make that kind of proposition mm -hmm. okay There's how many times three total that I can okay. fully remember wow did you ever say yes? Did you ever find yourself going, okay, maybe I should? Or... My last miscarriage that I experienced while in the group, I'm married at this point. My husband's working nights, and so I was alone. I don't know where her husband was in the bed on the other side. The assistant's husband yeah. was in their bed. Uh-huh. Okay. And I had told them I was so I was mortified because I thought that I was pregnant. I was terrified. And I was letting them know. Like my husband and I loved because we got pregnant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I was just going to her and I remember telling her and I remember being driven there by another member. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Another member and explain explaining to that person in his mail, like I'm pregnant, I'm really scared, what are they gonna say? What are they gonna think? I was terrified that I was gonna get kicked out. Mm -hmm. Terrified. And for no like I'd never seen anybody get kicked out for being pregnant. And I was terrified. Um, so we get there, and I have no vehicle. Even though I have a vehicle now, I have no vehicle to leave. Yeah, and they are far so, out of the country. So yeah, there's some more context. Is it's a drive uh, to the assistant's house. Yeah, and my phone didn't get service out there. Yep, mm -hmm. I don't know if they knew that or not. But they knew that when I got there. I was like, oh, my husband's pregnant. She expressed, well, you can just I let her know I'm pregnant. And I remember she put her head in her hand and she said, oh my gosh, do you know who it is? Mm. And you and were like, married? Oh, they didn't know that I was married. I had to look. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What? Yeah. And I said, yeah. You keep track. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know things. If you were a smart, highly sexual person, <laughs> you know, like a man that I were. <laughs> you, you love things. But yeah. especially when you have breathing down your neck, you're like, oh, no, I'm going to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So... And she, she made, she, like, I was hurting, I was crying, I was devastated that I was telling her that and everything. 
And me personally, I was expressing to them like, I don't know about all this. I, I actually might just, I might just abort and just leave and just go because I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can handle being a mom yet. Mm -hmm. um, because they convinced me that like I would be a terrible mom and that because of all my generational trauma, it would just be really bad to put that, especially in my head girl. And oh they, they call it more generational curses, correct? Yeah, they call it yes, generational curses. Curse, yeah. Because just to clarify, generational curse is really a curse that's passed down in your family. So if if your grandpa was an alcoholic, then you know the next generation is likely to be an alcoholic. And there is some truth to that. There's even some science to that as well. So mm -hmm. I don't want to completely discount it. Right. However, and it's biblical. If you read the Bible, it's it is in the Bible. We won't get into that, but yeah. it is very much abused. I, I think we would all agree in that of, um, oh, well, that was in your family. You didn't have a good mom for sure. You're not going to be a good mom. You're going to yeah. be. It's so, like a monopolize on that, yeah. um, that generational curses part of yeah. scripture. Because, and, and they take that, and it's like they hold that over your head. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, your mom was this way, and you're going to be this way, and your kids are going to be this way if you don't do what we say and right. if you don't follow our instructions. Right. Yeah. Right. So, sorry, back to what you were saying. So, yeah, she made the, she said, well, you can just sleep here. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do right now. You know, I can't definitely be all red. <laughs> Uber did not exist. <laughs> you know, none of that did. And so I just thought, okay, it's like, it's fine. And so I started to lay down on the couch and she said, no, you're coming to bed with us. With us. Us, her and her husband. And you're and grown, married. Pregnant. Wow. Yeah. And did you? I did, yeah. Mm -hmm. Did she was there holding? So I know, so she's in the middle between her husband and you. Uh huh. And was there so, cuddles or? There were no cuddles. Um, Where were her children at this time? And they right. Yeah. They were there. Okay, that's a good question. Um, so she had no, that's not true. Her yeah. daughter was there, but her son wasn't there. But her daughter was already asleep and in bed at this point. And it wasn't super late though. It was like nine o'clock. It doesn't take long to say you're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm just a direct person, so I was like, bleh, kick me out now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And so did she cuddle you? So I get in the bed, and I'm, I'm sort of like, you were extremely uncomfortable. Um, and I have had like childhood trauma stuff happening, like the sexual side of things. So I was very distant in the bed. Like she was directly in the middle facing me, and her husband was on the other side facing the other direction. And then, so it was like, I was on her half of the bed though. Like it wasn't a shared position or like she was in the middle. She's, she's much smaller than me. Yeah, she's very, so she's tiny, It would have been easy for her to go towards the middle and have her own space. Yeah. And I remember asking for a pillow so I could put it between us. And I didn't tell her that, but I wanted an extra pillow. Yeah. Cause I was, I was, like, I was really uncomfortable, you know? And why didn't you say no? I don't know. You were in a very vulnerable position at that point, too. So, right. Yeah. I'm not trying to, like, oh, no. it could have been this, it could have been that. But, I mean, you were in a very vulnerable spot. Yeah. I know that then I had that was, that is something that I've worked on with, like, knowing my boundaries and what I can say no to and what, um, like, where my power is. You know, that looks like now and. Um, and they knew that though, they knew that that was an issue for me because they tried to do deliverance on just that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they called it rebellion. 
it was rebellion when you do it against them. Did you sleep all night, wake up in the morning? Oh no, I, I was up all night. I did not get any mm. sleep. I was so, I don't, I don't like facing people when I sleep. So I was yeah. like, but I didn't want to turn over because she was very close to me. Like I could feel her breath on my face. Wow. And she even made a joke about it. She said, do I need a TikTok? Did her husband know, was he already asleep? Did he know you were getting in bed? Did he woke up the next day to okay. find me in the bed. And oh, wow. it wasn't anything. I think too, you both touched on it. Um, she did try to put her arm around me because she remember that. She oh. tried to put her arm around me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah. Like I didn't say no, but I was like, yeah, yeah, kind of wiggled out of it. And yeah. I do know why. I do know why. That is my go. So everybody has their trauma response. My go to trauma response is freeze. Mm -hmm. Don't move. Don't talk. Maybe they'll go away. Mm -hmm. Maybe it'll stop. Yeah. That's something in therapy that I personally worked on is getting myself out of freeze very quickly when I feel myself go in. Mm -hmm. That's good. That is really good. Because even like you said, you didn't know that you could say no. You didn't yeah. feel like you could. And then you like just saying the freeze stuff is really good. For me, I go immediately into fight. And so the, the fight and freeze, I, I, everybody does all three, but they, there's four. What's the fourth there's one? Fight, fight, freeze, fawn. Oh, I have heard of that. Okay. So everyone does a degree of all of it, but you kind of have that primary one you fall into. So I was typically fight. So in my situation, um, it only happened one time, but I was constantly getting in trouble for fighting. Verbally, and even a couple of times, I did get physical aggressively, mostly with a guy. But that I was, I was always in trouble for um, being that way and for being mouthy and all of that. So I'm trying to work on being compliant and not being so rebellious and not being so feisty, and because like with our stronger stronger personality, I I don't like saying stronger. Um, our uh, louder personalities where we give more pushback we were also kind of always told what was wrong with us so it was the rebellion the disobedience the um good christian women should not act and behave this way or talk this way or you know, whatever right so i came to the assistant's house for some reason i do not remember and the conversation was about my family so i come from a two-parent home we do have a lot of trauma and dysfunction that happened to our family and with our families on some things. I wouldn't say that my family was just broken as a whole. My mom is just naturally not a, a soft personality. <laughs> she's just a little rough around the edges and she's affectionate physically. So I was not missing that piece. She, my mom just kind of has the suck it up, get over it, you're fine kind of personality somehow and i wish i could remember the conversation i really tried for this podcast to remember but we talked about it and so then she went into you don't have a good healthy mom figure yeah and that became the conversation and i remember going to bed and i was actually her son was gone so i slept in her son's bed i wasn't invited into theirs but i I had the door closed and she came into the room in the middle of the night. 
and got in bed with me and kind of same thing was the conversation was around, you know, I feel called to be a mom figure to you. So it wasn't that I didn't have a mom figure. It was just that she wanted to be a healthier mom figure to me. So she gets in bed, gives me that, that speech and I'm laying there and in my mind, I'm not thinking, oh my gosh, yes, I've wanted this. I've craved this. You're right. My mom's horrible. <laughs> that was not a thought that went to my brain. But what happened was don't fight, don't argue because I was uncomfortable. Like I'm young in my early twenties. She's a grown woman married with kids coming into the bedroom in the middle of the night to cuddle with me and talk to me about being a mother to me. And in my mind, I'm like, I've got a mom. I'm fine. But I did not want to go through one more deliverance. Yeah about my rebellion and my mouth and I had been pulled into so many secret meetings which we'll get to that in a different podcast so many times I was reprimanded I was in trouble so I just thought life is just good enough so for me it was I, I I'm such a fighter but I'm so tired of fighting and I do not want I've been in trouble too many times and I'm just done I'm tired and so she pulled me in and it was not spooning. It was like face to face. And I remember my head being more like in her uh, chest and she told me she was going to hold me until I fell asleep. So I fell asleep real quick. Cause I was like, okay. So I, I even intentionally started trying to like breathe louder. Like, you know, like the long, it. slow. Yeah. Yeah. And she did stay there for a while, like uncomfortably long. It felt long. I don't know how long it actually was, but it, it, were you wearing your pajamas? I was wearing my pajamas. We were both in pajamas, but I just remember, I remember being so close to her chest and feeling so odd. And then I kept thinking, well, because again, the whole you're broken mentality had been constantly enforced. You're messed up. You don't make good decisions. We are healthy. We make good decisions. We'll make those decisions for you. And so there was also this thing happening in my mind where I thought, okay, maybe, maybe my mom is a bad mom and maybe she doesn't give me, she didn't give me what I needed. And okay. It's, she knows better than I do. So, uh, the assistant knows better than I do. I'm usually wrong. So, so it was, it was very conflicted for me. And finally, when she left, I slept. I did not the same. I did not sleep well at all, if at all, that night. But I just made a mental note to never put myself in that position yes. again. So I never put a pull on the assistant after that. I was nice. Sometimes I was nice. But I, I purposely was like, I did not like that exchange. So I kind of kept her over there. But you know... A lot of people who have had similar experiences. Um, not the assistant, but I do know with the main leader, um, it was not abnormal for for her to um, snuggle, quote unquote, take naps. So that meant you go up to her stairs to her bedroom, you lay in bed with her, and she holds you while you take naps. Or they would um, tell stories about, oh, I met up with her in the middle of the night. We went and we held each other and watched the stars. And it was always like a young girl between the age of like 19 and 20, 
122. And um, it was always done in secret. They, there was giggling or maybe they, those who it happened to that they've talked about it now, they didn't tell anyone at the time that it happened. So there was those girls who were compliant towards it. And then there were girls who felt ashamed of doing it. But yeah, I, it was maybe not to everyone it was common knowledge, but I knew it was happening because I would hear the stories. And you were right underneath the head pastor for a lot of years. So you had kind of the most privileged information. I lived in yeah. there. I lived in a house with majority of the girls that were part of the group. So I heard things behind the scenes. Yeah. And then, yeah, she made me like her leader and assistant because I was good at it. But we never had that type of physical relationship. Mm -hmm. I just knew she had it with other girls. And at the time, I felt jealous of why couldn't I get close to her like that. Mm -hmm. Again, the way the group is set up is it's a privilege to be close to the leader. It's a privilege to know information the leader knows. It's a privilege if the leader asks you to spy on somebody, to report on somebody, to um, give your opinion on something. And it's a privilege to for the leader to call you over and like ask you to do things with her or anything like that. And that's a privilege no one wants to lose. And so everyone typically, you're not openly fighting for it, but you're quietly relishing it and would do whatever you're asked to do to keep it. And that mm -hmm. happened for several generations of college students that came and went, came and went. And I just happened to be around for probably four or five generations. And it was the same in each generation, the same type of grooming. I don't know why, like, I don't know what she was getting out of that kind of physical contact. Of, right. But what I do know is if you feel uncomfortable, that's okay. It's a red flag. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you and you're allowed to say no, but because you feel like the common denominator is most people that I don't know better than this person. I don't hear from God as good as this person. I need to be I have a lot of issues that this person has addressed in my life and prayed. I have demons that they've had to cast out of me. Therefore, I don't know better to say no. They know better for me than I know for me. And even though I don't feel comfortable, I don't know enough for me to know that that's a red flag saying, hey, I don't need to be in this position. Mm -hmm. And I think if anyone finds themselves in a position, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be male to female. This yeah. is female yeah. to female. Yeah. In fact, the majority of this abuse is female to female in, in this organization that calls themselves a ministry. And it doesn't have to be, they don't even have to go as far as having sexual contact with you. Yeah. Even just touching you in a way that makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> if you're not comfortable, that's not okay. If you are going to lose relation, if you're in any kind of relationship <laughs> where if you say, no, I don't physically want to be touched this way. And that would jeopardize your relationship with that person. That right there is abuse. It's yeah. toxic. It's a no, no. It doesn't matter who they are to you, whether they're a family member, they're a spouse, they're a, a coworker, or they are in church with you. If you don't feel free to tell them, please don't touch me this way physically, that is the number one red flag that you are being groomed, you are being abused, and you need to talk to somebody and get out. Absolutely. And I would even say, to piggyback off of that, well, two things. One, the more I've thought about it, the more I've learned about leadership, I've, I've, I've read a lot of really good leadership books. 
really, you there are no bad teams. There are only bad leaders. And so the fact that I personally sat through several hundred, literally, deliverances, and all of us have sat through multiple, multiple deliverances, multiple um, secret meetings. Again, we'll talk about that different podcast uh, where we were corrected, um, publicly lectured, corrected. publicly corrected, publicly humiliated, um, and humiliated, talked about from the pulpit. Yes, talked Shame. about in ser sermons, uh, openly name dropped in sermons. And the fact that I, I mean, just for me, I was in there for six years, several hundred deliverances. And everything is told is my fault. So there's another thing to your point. If you always feel like something is solely your fault, that's abuse, that's toxic. But it is a very strong reflection of the leadership you are under and the relationship that you may be in. So whose fault is it, really? If deliverance was really working, if all of the teaching, the core values that this organization has if it, if it really really was working i would have been step free like in a couple deliverances maybe yeah right and and we wouldn't have had to be in this constant cycle of correction and and so that's reflection of leadership my my other point would be not just that if you can't say no physically but if if you're in a relationship that or under leadership where your life is not being enhanced that's not healthy. I remember when I when I met my husband, my, my husband has had to do quite a lot of correcting of the way that I think, and not that he's sit, sitting there literally correcting me, but like we were corrected in the organization, mm -hmm. just who he is and how he treats me mm -hmm. and the things that he says has made me stop and go, ooh. And I remember him saying to a friend casually, like, your spouse should enhance your life. She enhances my life. And I was like, oh my gosh, and he enhances my life. And so the relationships that we are in, it, we should be bringing life. It should be life-giving. The Bible even talks about life-giving relationships. That means that we shouldn't, we shouldn't be going home, laying in bed crying at night, or talking to each other the way that we have about all the things that are wrong with us all the time. So last question, I know we need to wrap this one up. If you had any advice, and I'm going to let each one of y'all speak briefly. We'll just give as brief of an answer as you can. If you had any advice for someone who is who is or thinks they may be in an abusive relationship or under uh, abusive leadership, what is some advice that you would give them? And I'll let you start since you haven't spoken much in this way. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's a hard one because, you know, everyone has different backgrounds and things that they're bringing into situations. So you may be more, uh, you know, you may have grown up the compliant type, you know, or um, I can just speak from that experience because that's where, yeah, that's my history. <laughs> we have the, the power and the right to use our voice. Yeah. And no matter how scary it is, you know, each time it gets a little bit easier, a little bit easier each time. Yeah, so I would say that, you know, it's okay to break free of, you know, those, I would say chains in a way, you know, like it's very, it sounds cliche, but, you know, just a lot of times, especially women are taught, you know, to be more compliant and 
whether it's a leader, whether it's to men or whatever, we're taught to be more compliant. Yeah, that's that. good. What would you say? I would say, accept saying of if you think you are, you probably are. Yes. Or you come from it, and there are familiar things coming up that would lead to it. Not that it will lead to it, but there's that possibility from just a lot of the people that I've spoken to, whether it's in counseling or whether it's just really just anybody, anybody you talk to, it's when they said it out loud in a group setting. Yeah. When they went with people who weren't affiliated, whether it's relationally or like at work and they don't know these people or at just any kind of different setting where these people have never met these people and they don't know anything about them, say it out loud, test it. Yeah. I would say, get questions, test the waters, watch their reactions. Because they're either gonna say, hey, that's abuse, that's yeah. not okay. Yeah. Or they're gonna say, hey, why don't you talk to me later? Why don't you reach out when that happens so I can be there? And that's, that's your tell. It's probably abusive. And there are resources to get, there are resources to get out of that, there are resources to get healing, there's, mm -hmm. you're not stuck. Your body feels stuck and it's going to make your brain feel stuck, but you're not stuck and there are so many ways out yeah. of that situation and through. Yeah, that's good. Angel, what would you say? Uh, probably it's not going to get any better. <laughs> you're all, yeah. you're always thinking, yeah. if I do more, if I do this, if I can change this, if I act this way, if I give it enough time, if I help here, it'll get better. It's just bad for right now. It actually doesn't get any better. Um, when, when I was the one being told the dirt on other people and told to hate other people, just know that you'll, you'll be in the other place where they're telling dirt on you and telling yeah. people to hate you. Like I realize now if they're going to, if they're going to invite me to join in that unhealthy behavior, eventually I will be on the, the bad end of the unhealthy behavior. Yeah. And because you always think, oh, they'll do that to everyone but you. That's not true. They will do it to everyone and you. Yeah. And so know that, know that you're not, they will end up doing that to you. And um, it, it's not going to get better. It, it's unhealthy. It has to end. And something new has to be created. Yeah. Yeah. Can we just add to that? Yeah. Well, I forgot. We had a saying in the prison that I worked at. You had to be ready for just physical altercations to happen. At, and like you had to be ready where like you could safeguard and defend yourself, right? And you know, you have that they they have to get it out of you in the back of your mind. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. You have to be you have to come to the forefront of it's not a matter of if, but when. And I think that's the same thing of, no, it's not going to get better. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. And I would, I mean, I've had so many thoughts as y'all were sharing. I would add to what Angela was saying. Um, if they're willing to do that to other people with you, they're, they're going to do it to you too. And I know several people who have said, well, I don't want to leave because I'm afraid of them doing that to me. Yeah. That's not a you problem. It's a yes. them problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it speaks, it doesn't say anything about the kind of person you are. Even if you're willing to stay in that environment and put up with that abuse, it doesn't say anything about you. Um, the fact that they're willing to trash talk and bad mouth and abuse others in front of you, like that's a them problem, not a you problem. So it's almost like you have to completely 
you have to be okay with them doing it to you mm-hmm. um, once you're out of that situation and just know that's not on me, that's on them. Yeah. And I would echo everything y'all have said. Um, but I would also say that for speaking, well, this goes for any kind of abuse, but especially like, I mean, I, I grew up in church, so, you know, God's opinion and what the Bible says has always mattered very much to me, but I have learned that God doesn't condone abuse. He doesn't condone it through your spouse. He doesn't condone it through friendships. He doesn't condone it with leadership relationships. He doesn't condone abuse at all in any type of relationship. So just know that even though they're probably saying, oh, well, you know, God wants you to do this, 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 and he wants you to stay here and he wants you to do, you know, X, Y, Z, or like y'all said, you don't hear from God as as well as I do. Like that's not biblical. And the Bible says that, I mean, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. My people know my voice. And it doesn't say, oh, you have to learn how to hear God better. I mean, you practice that skill. Like, you get better at recognizing that, I think. But he says, he just straight up says, my sheep know my voice. Mm-hmm. And it's it's almost like you just practice following what he says. Like a little kid, like you as a little kid or speaking as a mom, like my kids know my voice. They yes. know what I sound like. Now, whether they choose to listen to what I'm saying or not is a completely different thing. Right. That's so. Yeah. Even though they may be telling you, oh, you don't hear from God like I do, whatever type of relationship it is. Like, that's not true. You do hear God's voice because he says, like, my sheep and my voice, and that's all there is to it. So God doesn't condone abuse. He doesn't speak more to one person than he does the other. And like you said, Amanda, if you think it's abusive, it probably is. Yeah. And you have every right to get out. And there are people in that ministry right now or that organization right now who are voicing like the same sentiment and we are just a very small group we actually have talked to like dozens of people who have been willing to come out and tell their story they just couldn't meet with us in this trip but um they have experienced the same thing and so also know that when you have that big fallout (laughs) and that many people saying this isn't okay i experienced this this and this that is a red flag to get out. Right. And if you are a part of that ministry and you're being brainwashed into believing that that is something healthy is not, and you have to get out because it will happen to you too. It's going to happen to you too. It's just not if, but when it is. Absolutely. And as far as resources go, one beautiful thing, probably one of the only beautiful things that came out of COVID was <laughs> was online therapy that is affordable there a lot of people will say well i don't do therapy because it's too expensive and that that is true to a degree however one there is tons and tons of online resources for therapy at this point but something that a lot of people don't know is is that there are people who are working to become uh, full-time therapists that are in an internship and they will do therapy for free or they will do it for a very highly discounted rate and you can just google that so i have even had a therapist before and all i did was google places where people go to get their their internships and my first therapist i ever had was for free and then i had another therapist who 
um, was discounted. So it's actually very easy and accessible to find affordable therapy at this point. I thought one thing I wanted to say yeah. with um, what another thing that I would say to people who yeah. feel trapped. Something that I thought about in my time in that organization was, um, I think we've talked about it, but you start when you're in a situation like that, you start disconnecting from people around you, from friends outside the organization, from your family even. And if you feel like you're becoming isolated, where these are your only people, you know, I would I would advise them to reach to start reaching out. And, you know, yeah, to your family. They know you the best. You know, we all we all come from different backgrounds, but your family knows you the best. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if you if you start to isolate yourself and not have anyone outside of your position, um, I would say, you know, that's a red flag in itself. To have a healthy, balanced life, I would say you need you need all kinds of people in your circle. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say find that support system. Don't you're not you're never alone and mm-hmm. where you, wherever you're at, you're never alone. So that is so good. Just to recap, you are not alone. You may feel alone, but you are not alone. It's one of the reasons we created the Warriors community is because there are women all over this world who have been through very similar things, who I'm sure have asked the same questions, at least to themselves. And Hopefully, we can build this community where people can feel free to use their voice and just to say, hey, this is what I'm going through. I feel alone so that somebody else can come by their side and say, hey, not alone. I went through that. Here's how I got through it. And we can help each other by offering advice, perspective, encouragement, but also resources We will have a few resources listed out in the show notes. So if you are interested, please feel free to scroll and check those out. Another thing just to recap, if you think the relationship you are in, the leadership that you're under is abusive, I would reach out to someone who you know loves you enough to be honest. And I would pray about it. I would seek advice I would highly recommend therapy and that will be a good telltale sign. If you feel uncomfortable, if you feel like you can't ask questions, if you feel you can't say no or that everything is your fault, those are really good red flags to note that you are not in a healthy environment or a healthy relationship. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We know that it is sensitive content. The next few podcasts are also sensitive content. So get ready for those.